10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome on board, everybody. Welcome on board, everybody. It is Sunday afternoon. Time for our Teacher's Talk Radio with Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist. Thank you, thank you, everybody, and a very good afternoon on this 14th day of November 2021. If it is a Sunday afternoon show on Teacher Stock Radio, then you know you are listening to Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist joining in right from the heart of the land of a thousand hills, that is a country, Rwanda, in East Africa, and right in Rwanda's capital city, Kigali. So thank you very much for those of us who are already here with us. I can see we're already streaming in into this um, show, Sunday afternoon show, when we gather to reflect on matters education in Africa with Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist, Dr. Otieno. Thank you for coming on board. It's always a pleasure. I always look forward to the Sunday afternoon show because I get to connect with fellow teachers from across the world. And we come together for one purpose, to talk to one another. That's why it is called Teachers Talk Radio. And yes, we have a special show coming up today with um, a fellow teacher from one of the East African countries. But before we get to that, I just want to welcome all of us. Thank you for coming in live. I can see um, we have three listeners already um, who have who have joined in live, and I expect that many more will be streaming as we continue with the conversation. But for those of us who are already here, just to remind us that, yes, this is about having a conversation. It's about talking one to another. It is Teachers Talk Radio. So please, let's look for opportunity to talk one to another. We have the text uh, space where you can type in your thoughts, your comments, and your ideas. It's always nice to hear from you, your reflections and things that you are catching, if I may use that word, as we continue our conversation. So please feel free to do that. And in case you want to call in live, I know I have not been able to take in live calls during my show. And this is just because it would really be nice to ensure that before you call in, you have your headphones so that we can have a conversation without echoes. Um, So please, if you really want to call in, it would be great, but please send me a text and just say, hey, Dr. Herin, I have my headphone with me, so I am able to talk without any noise interference from my background. And I will definitely... um, allow you to call in. So welcome on board, everybody. I mean, I I have spent a few hours today reflecting 
on our engagement on Teachers Talk Radio, the conversations that we've been having. I think one week ago there was um, a rundown or a countdown of some of the top shows, most listened to shows, and we were able to at least appear at number 10 with a conversation on WhatsApp Africa, how different teachers and educators across the continent are using WhatsApp to support teaching and learning. And that I would say is one of the great innovations. It was one of the most exciting conversations we had with our WhatsApp teacher from Zimbabwe, Maxwell. And of course, we also had speakers from Botswana. So it's been exciting. And I was just looking down the list and I was looking at how many countries have we hosted on this show, Sunday afternoon show on Africa's sorry, on Teachers Talk Radio. So um, I wonder if any of you can guess how many. We've had a number of guests coming in from different countries. Today we'll have a guest from a country where we have never hosted a guest from. But the first, perhaps as we wait for our guest to join us, um, and he will be joining us a little late uh, into the show, maybe, I mean, after after the first 30 minutes and no worries we have enough to talk about as we're waiting for our guest the first thing i wanted us to reflect on is just to give a wild guess how many um countries in africa first and foremost have we hosted um speakers from so if you're listening and you want to take an educated guest how many countries you all just think well 20 hmm that's quite a guess I must say that it's less than that. I don't think we've had 12 shows already, but yes, sometimes, most of the time we've had three guests. So it is possible that we may have had um, 20 countries, but uh, unless my count is not right, um, it would be nice to try again. So those of us who are here, um, you're here, we're just making a guess. Uh, Sunday afternoon show started of my first show was in July and it actually never happened. You know, I went on air and talked to myself because there was a technical breakdown. There was a problem with electricity. It was one of those interesting experiences because I was in a hotel. I had actually queued them up and said, you know, I'm going to have um, a show tonight and I need to, you need to ensure that my internet is working perfect. And they told me everything is okay. And then of course, I think I didn't, really think that I needed to check things out. And then I went live and I kept getting feedback. We cannot hear you. We cannot hear you. And that was rather stressing. So I remember running out of the hotel, calling a friend of mine that was almost 11 and she came to pick me up. And this was past curfew time. So we were actually risking being arrested. So she picked me up from my hotel and she took me to her house and she told everybody to shush, no talking. And then I tried going back on air again and lo and behold, still I could not be heard. And looking back, I am happy nobody could hear me because in the process of getting a little uh, worked up because things were not working, I think I was talking all over the place. And that was the first show. So it was great that nobody could hear me. So yes, that's how we started off on Teacher's Talk Radio in July. And two weeks later, we got it right. So yes, it's been a long journey. And during that process, um, we have hosted quite a number of uh, guests from different countries. So 
Rogers said 20, but we said, mm, maybe that's too high. Who else wants to try? How many African countries have I hosted on my show? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. How many African countries have I hosted on the show? And I might be wrong because I was just counting this off my head. But anybody who wants to give it a try, if um, nobody gives it a try, I'm going to give the answer and then ask a related question. So welcome on board, everybody. If you're joining us, please let me know where you're listening to me from. I know Rogers is listening to me from the UK, but the other people, uh, thank you for joining us and thank you for letting me know that you're here, Valence, and thank you for saying you like the show. So Valence, Valence, how many countries have we hosted on the Sunday afternoon show? So I'll give you an example. We've hosted guests from Kenya. So there have been some repeat countries. So we've hosted guests from Kenya. That's number one. Uh, we've hosted guests from Rwanda. So that's country number two. So Valence, you are listening. Give it a guess. How many countries have we hosted um, on this show? Anybody with a guess? So we have Kenya. We have Rwanda. So as I keep counting, please, if you think of a number, just type it there. So we've had Kenya. We've had Rwanda. We've had Ghana. We've had Nigeria. Do you have a sense of how many we have hosted so far? We've had Mozambique. We've had South Africa. We've had Zimbabwe. We've had Botswana. I already talked of Rwanda and Tanzania. So quite, well, not Tanzania. Tanzania today, today will be 18. Felix, thank you for joining. Yes, Felix was one of my guests from Kenya when we had a conversation, a very interesting conversation on raise up your hand for the Africa's boy child. That was one of the most interesting conversations we've had. Thank you, Felix, for joining in from Kenya. Well, so I think I might be undercounting because, well, we've had some repeat, um, we have some repeat countries. Uh, the last one was not from Zimbabwe. The last one we had um, from Ghana. Thank you, uh, Rogers, for 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 trying that out. So anyway, I think we've had nine African countries and today, or eight African countries, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then we have had some guests from Canada and some guests from, uh, one guest from Canada and one guest from the UK. So I think we've had 10 countries and today we'll have um, an additional country, a country where we've not had any guests from, and that is Tanzania. So I'm really looking forward, of course, right from our hoods, right from East Africa. But in addition to the countries where we've hosted guests from, we also had that special segment, which I will be going back to from next week, which was the Africa Education Trivia, where we were stopping to listen, uh, to get some information about the education systems in different countries in Africa, just to be able to identify similarities and differences, because that's part of the thrust of this show for us as Africa educators to know what's going on next door so that we can identify what we can learn from each other and perhaps what um, ideas that we can share with each other. So in the Africa education trivia, we heard about the education system for Ethiopia. We heard about the education system for Namibia. So I would say up to 12 or 13 countries are featured on our show. So well done for always being here to keep me company and for us to have that conversation. So now let's go to that question about which country has had the most repeat guests. So yes, we've had 
12 African countries, but in some countries we've had more than one, I mean, a guest from that country more than once. So I want you to make an educated guess. I've already listed all the countries, Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, Mozambique, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Botswana, um, Rwanda, Tanzania, and we featured Ethiopia and Namibia. So which country have we had the most number of repeat guests? I think there is a tie, but my head tells me that maybe one is leading. But which country have we had uh, the most number of guests from? It's like my one place that I run to, to pull out guests, but we've had some brilliant guests from that country. So anybody wants to make a guess, all those countries from Ghana down to, I mean, in the list, the last one, of course, we'll be having Tanzania for the first time. So it's obviously not Tanzania. So which country have we had the most repeat guests? Felix, do you want to make a guess now that you are one of the guests or anybody else? So is it Kenya? Is it Nigeria? Is it Mozambique? Rwanda? Ghana? Which country have we had the most number of guests from? I'm waiting to see some educated guesses. Which country would that be? I will come back to that and perhaps see what, aha, uh -huh, somebody says Kenya or Rwanda, I guess, because I have very strong affiliations to those countries. I am from Kenya, living and thriving in Rwanda. So um, trained in Kenya and owned in Rwanda. Or, um, so, well, unfortunately it's not Kenya or Rwanda. I think we've had only one or two guests from Rwanda will be pulling up our socks on that. So um, let's see whether we'll get that going. But yeah, it's been very exciting for the last, is it four months? Just having these conversations. It's been quite some uh, learning uh, time for me, just uh, getting to look and dig into issues around education in our continent, because this is something that I'm really passionate about. That's why I go by the tag, Africa's own education, doctor and education evangelist. So today we will be having a conversation on teacher training. What's the situation with teacher training in Africa? Who is applying to go into teacher training colleges? Are the numbers on the rise or is it going down? Africa, many African countries have had recent curriculum change with the fire, uh, I mean, with most of them leaning towards what we are calling competency-based approach. Tanzania was one of the first African countries to adopt competency-based approach. It would be interesting to find out to what extent has this curriculum changes impacted the teacher training? What's going on in our teacher training colleges? We started, um, this is part of a series we started last week where we began looking a little bit in terms of what's going on in our classrooms, in terms of instructional practices. And we had an interesting eye-opening conversation with a teacher from Ghana, Mark, who talked about the reality in Ghana where they teach an average of 10 lessons um, a day, um, but perhaps you could say there are five lessons because they teach double lessons. All lessons in Ghana are doubled. So at any one point when teachers walk into the classroom, when you walk into a classroom as a teacher, then you should expect to spend at least 70 minutes. That is at secondary school. And we had a bit of a conversation about that, whether that's really working for them or not. And Mark had a different opinion or rather gave us some very interesting insights of what's going on. We had this pertinent question about are we over teaching 
as a continent? Are we overteaching as a continent? And we'll be coming back to that. We yet have not come to a conclusive answer. And of course, we must be able to justify our answer. But we had somebody call in from Kenya, Mr. Nyanyuki, who called in to weigh in into the conversation. And he seemed to think that perhaps we are overteaching, having 10 lessons a day, having students in class for over eight hours with just very uh, short breaks in between. According to him, he was actually suggesting that hmm, we are not on the right track for countries that are doing that. Well, it was interesting to listen and to see the comparisons. I will be talking about this later. Timetables, that was the context of our conversation last week. I, I gathered timetables from different parts of Africa. I have timetable from Namibia, from Zimbabwe, from Ghana, from Cameroon, from Kenya, and Tanzania. And uh, it's very interesting to see the similarities, but also to see some very stark differences. And we'll be coming back to this. But out of last time's question, I mean discussion, um, there's a little bit of a tension there that, well, perhaps our teachers are not teaching for learning because they are under the siege of what we call the syllabus that most teachers' eyes are on the syllabus. They have a number of units that they have to cover, and that's what keeps them going. That seems to be the greatest driving force on how teachers teach. And the reason that is the case, as Mark articulated last time, was because that's what, according to him, the supervisors come to check on when they come to check on the teachers in during teaching. And so since teachers want to be safe and make sure their bread remains buttered, according to him, our teachers are largely teaching to finish content. And that's something to worry about. And well, that was a statement from Mark based on his experience from Ghana. There was a little bit of uh, corroboration from the teacher who called in from, um, from Kenya. But today we want to take a few steps back. And first of all, ask ourselves, before we come to the classrooms, let's look at what's going on on the training ground. And then let's find out what's going on in our teacher training colleges. And then we'll project that into our classroom. So this conversation is going to go on for a long time. Thank you, Julian, for joining from Rwanda. And thank you. We still have this question to try and identify which country have we had the privilege of hosting the most number of guests. We already read out the countries from which we have hosted guests. There are around nine, if not ten. Uh, we have Ghana and Nigeria from the west. We have Mozambique, South Africa, and Botswana, and Zimbabwe towards the south. And then in East Africa, we have Kenya and Rwanda. And we are excited that today we'll be having Tanzania. And after that, we are going to hunt down Uganda so that we can take off all the East African countries that um, and bring them on board to say we have hosted somebody from all the East African countries. Of course, Ethiopia is still remaining, but we know Ethiopia is currently facing some challenges. It might be a little difficult for us to have a guest from there, but we've, we've had some very avid, close followers of the show. I know of a teacher who uh, kept reporting to me every week. They would, he would actually get his teachers in his school, in his staff room to listen back to the Sunday afternoon show on Teacher Stock Radio right in Ethiopia. So yes, the conversation is going on across different countries. So thank you, Xavier, from, for joining. Of course, you have you have 
been one of our guests some time back. So what's that country? So I'm going to let the cat out of the bag if that's something to say here. The country where I think we've had the most number of guests is actually not Kenya or Rwanda, but I think it's Ghana. I think we've had the most number of guests from Ghana. I think we've had around four um, guests from Ghana. In fact, it would have been five uh, on one occasion, one of the guests from Ghana was not able to, I mean, joined into the conversation very briefly and then internet connection um, um, challenges made her not to continue to the conversation. So I think we've had five or six guests from Ghana. In fact, the first show that I had, the one that aborted and then we had it a week later, my first two guests, one was from Ghana and one was from Kenya. And unfortunately, the one from Kenya was not able to join in because of electricity challenges and so our first guest on teachers talk radio on the sunday afternoon show with africa's own education doctor and education evangelist was from ghana and since then we've had like five other or four other guests from ghana so ghana is leading the pack i think perhaps followed by kenya and then after that well i guess it would be south africa where we've had two two guests from south africa i'll soon be coming back home to Rwanda so that we can, you know, up the game for Rwanda. We've had only one guest from Rwanda, so we will be looking at bringing another guest from Rwanda. But before that, we must nail Uganda because so that we can tick off all the East African countries. So thank you very much for those of us who have continued to be part of this conversation, who's given feedback, who's sought to draw on some of the insights from these conversations to better yourself. I've seen many of our teachers in Rwanda talk about talk about issues related to uh, teacher well-being a lot. And part of it stems from the conversation we had on Teacher's Talk Radio on the value and the importance of, te uh, of teacher well-being. So thank you that uh, we are not just listening and joining in this, but we are actually drawing from this to make us better teachers to improve our practices and more importantly improve who we are as teachers so as um our guest from today simeon is joining us in the next nine minutes and as i said he'll be talking to us about teacher um education tanzania is um one of those countries who have been privileged to have a president who was a former teacher so the first tanzanian president Mwalimu Nyerere. Mwalimu is a Kiswahili word for teacher. So he was known throughout his reign as Mwalimu Nyerere, teacher Nyerere. So Tanzania is one of those countries who have been privileged to have a teacher president who, you know, stayed true to his identity as a teacher throughout even his reign as a president. So it would be very interesting um, to find out um, what's going on with teaching and teacher training in Tanzania as a window of into perhaps what's going on in Africa. And of course, you'll be here to share your stories to tell us whether, um, whether that's the case. So I can see I have a speaker. Um, I'm going to, oops. the speaker has dropped out. If you want to really call into the show and you have a headphone, Please, um, uh, please, please call in. I can see Xavier um, has has a comment. He says, I joined in a bit late, but think he will let us know how professional teachers in TZ um, in Tanzania is. The journey to become one of them. Is it a government initiative or, or NGOs? 
or it is teachers themselves, I believe, in terms of teacher professional development. And then you'd also want to hear from the guest uh, a little bit about issues related to gender and teacher training. So yes, we are going to take note of that. And as soon as Simeon comes in, we will be asking him to respond to that. Um, who is actually in charge of teacher professional development in Tanzania? Is it the government or is it NGOs? Or is it just self-directed, teachers themselves taking initiative to develop themselves? Those are some of the things teacher Xavier from Rwanda would like to hear about uh, from Tanzania. And of course, what gender issues, what um, any key or unique gender issues pertaining to teacher development or teacher training. So yes, Xavier will put and pin that up. And as soon as Simeon joins us in another seven minutes, we will be asking him to respond to this. So I was just saying that Tanzania is a very special um, country in Africa because their first president um, was a teacher, Mwalimu Nyerere. And Mwalimu is a Kiswahili word for teacher. So it would be interesting to find out what's going on. Do they, do they therefore hold teachers very closely to their heart? Have teachers been able to uh, remain as um, respected in the community and one of the most sought after profession? It would be interesting to find out what's going on in Tanzania. And he's ready. He's, he will be coming in to have that conversation. So if, as we as we wait for, um, as, we, as we look forward to um, Simeon joining us, I just want us to perhaps take this time to listen to today's news. So I'm going to put on today's news and we're going to listen to today's news and then we'll be jumping right back into the conversation. I believe by then as Simeon, I mean, we'll have a little bit of a reflection and then we'll have Simeon joining us. So let's take a break and listen to today's news. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the largest teaching union, the EIS, has rejected the latest pay offer to Scotland's teachers of 1.22%. Des Morris, EIS salaries convener, said, The latest revised offer from the Scottish Government and COSLA is derisory. With inflation currently running at around 4%, we have already made very clear to the employer's side that we will not accept an offer of 1.22% for our members. For COSLA and the Scottish Government to then take weeks to come back with essentially the same offer with some minor cosmetic window dressing is an insult to the professionalism and hard work of every teacher in Scotland. A salary claim for 2021-22 was made over a year ago for between 3 and 5%. A spokesman for COSLA said, we remain in constructive dialogue. The head teacher of a school in Gwynedd in North Wales has faced threats after trying to recover £1,800 worth of debt by refusing to feed children whose accounts are in debit. 
Mr Foden, in an interview with ITV Wales, said, I have only been the strategic head teacher since the middle of June, but this, I gather, has been going on since November or December last year. What's been happening is a number of parents have been running up debts. The school has a policy of texting them every Friday to remind them they need to pay. When that failed, they were sent letters. But when that failed, it doesn't seem like anything else has happened. Mr Foden went on to say, I've had threats. I've had people say they know where I live. We've had verbal abuse in the foulest terms. And some of that has been directed at the office staff as well, which has been completely unacceptable. A spokesperson from Gwynedd Council said, We apologise for the worry and concern caused by the content and wording of a recent letter to parents regarding school dinner payments. This has been your Weekend News. Thank you. Thank you. We are back on air, of course, after our weekend news. We have been on air even during that time. And um, some interesting news items there, the issues of teacher payment. I, I remember it reminded me of, um, of a tweet that I saw online from the Zimbabwean teachers. They have actually been um, advocating for better pay for the better part of this year. So teacher pay is a thorny issue, not just in Africa, but seemingly across the world. And we hope that all these efforts would, will actually turn into something positive for all the teachers from across the world. So thank you very much for those of us who are here. And thank you for those who have commented. Remember, this is Teachers Talk Radio. So we are supposed to be talking one to another. You can make your comments through the text. You can actually tweet um, and, and tag the Teachers Talk uh, radio Twitter handle. And of course, tag your very own education doctor and education evangelist, Dr. Otieno M. So um, let's keep talking. And I'm just looking at some of the comments. Thank you for those who have liked the show, who have been able to uh, share the link. Um, and, and of course, those who have joined us from different countries, especially those who are joining us from outside Africa. I saw somebody say um, um, they are from, if I may find that, Cyprus. So thank you very much, Mario, for joining us from Cyprus. And then, of course, all the others were joining us from right from within Africa. And of course, if you're joining us from the UK, like Tom is joining us from the UK. So today's show is um, a show on teacher training. What's going on in Africa? What's going on within the school? Uh, I mean, the college fences of our teacher training colleges. Are we having more teachers or more teacher candidates registering for teacher training? Or is that not the case? I was just reading an article from Kenya. Yes, uh, my eyes are always on Kenya for good reason. I was reading an article from Kenya that was shared um, by a fellow teacher. And I think I got four links from him. And a number of them were actually disturbing. But one of them said the sad plight of private teacher training colleges in the country. That was Kenya. And what they were saying is that in this case, they have been very minimal minimal registration in um, teacher training colleges, especially the private teacher training colleges. So a number of them are actually closing down. And there are reasons for that. One of the reasons is that the, the government, um, uh, through the Ministry of Education, changed um, the qualification, um, the minimum quali qualification for somebody to register into 
primary school teaching and not just the overall qualification from the secondary education Kenya uh, certificate of secondary education, but they also actually created clusters that you needed to get a certain minimum grade in mathematics, English, and perhaps two other two other uh, subjects. So that has really affected uh, who qualifies to join uh, um, a teacher training college. I'm going to try and invite this guest and find out who that is, just in case we might get our first caller in. So um, CBGR. PX. Do you want to say something? You are connected. You want to say something to about say today? Something about today? Hello? 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 This is um, Simeone. Oh, Simeone, our guest is in the house. I think there's an yes. echo. Do you have your headphone on? Yes, yes, yes. It's on. Oh, okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. In Kiswahili, which is a national language for Tanzania, we would say Karibu Sana, meaning... Asante Sana. Thank you, thank you. So just for the rest of us, including Tom, that simply means welcome very much, and Asante Sana is thank you very much. So welcome on board, uh, on board Simeon. We are really all looking forward uh, to you joining into the conversation. But just before you jump in, I was just sharing... Um, uh, an article that I got from Kenya, your very yeah. neighboring country, and it was talking about the sad plight of private teacher training colleges in Kenya, where they have very minimal registration. And as a result, a number of teacher training colleges are going bankrupt. Uh, they are closing down. They are selling out their uh, facilities. And it is actually a crisis. And this is not to say that things are that rosy even for the public uh, teacher training colleges. But we'll be coming back to you. Um, so, oh, Roger say you, uh, you actually understand that. So in, uh, Roger's from, from um, UK. I was just trying to translate for him what we're saying. But he says, hey, I am a native of the globe. He has lived in Tanzania for six months, precisely yeah. in Mwanza. So, well, Vizuri sana, uh, Roger. So here we are with Simeon. And Simeon, thank you very much for joining. Thank you for reaching out to me as a fellow teacher and sending me um, samples of uh, lesson plans from Tanzania. Everybody has been eagerly waiting for you. Just before you came in, we listened to the day's news and one of the highlights was on teacher salary. I know without even having to guess too hard that as we are having this conversation somewhere, the phrase teacher salary is going to emerge. But anyway, welcome on board. And to welcome you, I want to um, read something um, that I came across. Uh, it was an article, but and it was and there are two articles actually that I looked at. But I want to read something um, that I came across um, from an article that was written in 2017. So I want you to tell me whether things have changed. So this uh, article is titled Challenges of Teacher Education in Tanzania. Hey, before I do that, Simeon, please, yeah. please introduce yourself. Look at me not allowing you to introduce yourself. So feel free to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do in the education sector in Tanzania. Go, go for it, uh, Simeon. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Herrin. Uh, and everyone who is listening to us, uh, I'm very proud uh, to be involved in this um, kind of talking discussion as far as I'm a teacher. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's very much a pleasure. I saw so, uh, yeah, Zihana, 
uh, to talk to fellow teachers, uh, but also to see, uh, I mean, um, come to learn and experience what the people speak and say about um, teaching actually as a profession, teachers and uh, mm-hmm. practices, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I'm so much mm-hmm. happy uh, to join this uh, uh, discussion. Yeah, my name is um, Simeon Mihinga. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, um, I, I have masters uh, in educational administration planning and uh, policy studies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I have been uh, teaching uh, for almost twelve years now. Actually, mm-hmm. in a college, yeah, in a college, uh, basically in a mayor city in Tanzania, Southern mm-hmm. Highlands of Tanzania. Mm-hmm. So I've been working mm-hmm. um, uh, with um, teach. I mean, teaching teachers, or we can say cooking teachers in other words, <laughs> we can speak so. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, since I, I graduated my first degree, so I was uh, employed in a private, uh, of course, private uh, university, where mm-hmm. we uh, now we were also shifted to uh, the Department of uh, um, Diploma and Certificate uh, Teachers, actually preparing mm-hmm. them and so on. So um, mm-hmm. that is um, the experience I have, and I've been teaching mainly uh, educational research, Mm-hmm. Uh, curriculum and teaching, mm-hmm. uh, but also educational management and administration as uh, subjects. So these are the most preference. Okay. However, okay. aside from that, I have been mm-hmm. also teaching. Uh, edu- I mean, entrepreneurship in education, entrepreneurship for teachers. That as as the main subjects that uh, I like and uh, really work uh, to the, to this one. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Simeon. Welcome on board. And I was just saying, you are our first guest from Tanzania. So we've had uh, up to about 10 guests from, I mean, guests from 10 different countries. And you are our first guest from Tanzania. So it's really exciting for us because now we know that uh, the airwaves of Teacher Stock Radio will begin rocking through uh, Tanzania. More teachers are going to learn about Teacher Stock Radio and they will be able yeah. to join into the conversations, not just as guests, but actually as listeners. So thank you very much for opening the door into Tanzania. Yeah. So thank you for your introduction. Yes, as you say, you have been a tutor for some time, training teachers on a number of areas, research, management, curriculum and teaching. And so I'm going to so jump going back to jump into what I was talking about. Um, this yes. article was written in 2017. Yes. So perhaps just before you started tutoring, but I'm just going to read a header for this. It says, Tanzania's famous founding president, Julius Nyerere, was a teacher. Yes. But despite the government's commitment to education in its development agenda, many yes. young people shun many young people shun the teaching professions. Salaries yeah. are low, classes big, and teaching has little prestige among the profession. So that was a first sentence or first few sentences in that, on that article that was talking about challenges of teacher education in Africa. But that was in 2017. So this is 2021. How much have things changed from what is captured in that blog about Tanzania yeah. and teaching? Yeah, actually, uh, yes, yes. I've been in this profession, of course. Where you are just speaking of 2017. I've been, mm-hmm. of course, working since, uh, I mean, 20, uh, yeah, 2008. So, yeah, mm-hmm. for all of these years, I can say things have not changed, my sister, and all the listeners who are here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. You see, um, yeah, as it, it, it reads, we have the history uh, in Tanzania that uh, at some times back after independence, teachers were the mm -hmm. most respected profession, most paid, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, given, I mean, a lot of uh, motivational packages. That was very much kind of a, a, a job to prefer. But later mm -hmm. on, things changed. Yeah. And the major changes came uh, because of, I mean, changes in the salary. The teachers were mm -hmm. the ones who began to be paid very low. And now from mm -hmm. there, things began to go where, I mean, bad, I can say so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are, you are speaking if things have changed. I would say actually mm -hmm. no, because we are speaking in Tanzania. Where almost mm -hmm. five years of as a as a former president, there was no salary increment at all. You can mm -hmm. see it. Yeah, no salary increment. Mm -hmm. uh, even we call, what we call uh, changes in um, um, I mean um, the teacher grades, maybe from this grade mm -hmm. to, the, to another grade, that was not also implemented. So you can imagine mm -hmm. if that is the situation, what teachers would say? Would mm -hmm. they feel happy? Actually, because uh, mm -hmm. at least um, some uh, amendments, some changes have been done from last year to this year, but mm -hmm. they are not. You can, great, you can't great. say they are. Great. Yeah, we can't say they are adequate because mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it is just it's just a very hello, Simeon. Hello. Um, I hope you have... Simeon, can you still hear me? So, quite some reflections there. I mean, Mwalimu Nyerere, teacher Nyerere, who was a first president, must be perhaps turning in his grave when he looks at the situation of teachers in his country, because as Simeon says, uh, they have moved from grace to grass, where teaching was one of the most revered institutions or professions, and now, um, perhaps, as the article says, it is shunned by many people. In fact, I looked at a similar article or a related article that is um, on the UNESCO uh, website uh, on teacher supply, recruitment, and retention in six Anglophone Sub-Saharan African countries, and that included Gambia, Kenya, Lesotho, Tanzania, Uganda, and Zambia. And um, the article also talks of the same, and it say that um, amongst other things, um, Lesotho, Tanzania, and Gambia had a serious shortage of qualified teachers at both primary schools. But then it went ahead to say that because of low salaries and poor service conditions um, in Tanzania, teachers are actually discouraging their own children from taking up um, teaching as a career. So Simeon, are you back? Hello? Um, I think we have lost Simeon. I hope um, he will be able to connect back. But yes, quite some reflection lines there. And, and, and as I said, I guess that the word salary was going to come up quite soon in our conversation because it seems to have an impact not just on the day-to-day -day, uh, teaching and learning outcomes or rather the teaching environment, but also it has an impact on what goes on in our teacher training colleges. So I hope Simeon will be able to join us and come back um, into the conversation because we want to pivot a little bit away from salaries. Salaries is such a thorny issue. It just allows us to reflect on issues of salaries, remembering that indeed it's not just an African issue. Teacher salaries is a thorny issue 
in a number of countries across the globe. So I hope you can still hear me. And um, we're waiting for Simeon to join us. I'll try call him uh, if he doesn't join in a bit and see if um, he can work on his internet connection. So as we hear what's going on in Tanzania, and uh, you're here as a teacher, it would be nice to hear whether you're hearing things that are very similar to what's going on in your country or um, not or different. I really appreciate that um, Simeon is saying something, there was, there was some effort from last year to try and improve certain aspects, though small, but I think in Kiswahili, uh, um, we normally say haba na haba hujaza kibaba, you know, very little, very little, finally, will be able to fill up, if I may use um, um, an equivalent term, the basket. So, or in English, we talked about a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So we are just hoping that the change that uh, Simeon is talking about from last year, they'll be able to build on it and something significant will happen that will begin injecting some sense of enthusiasm amongst the teachers. But let's just hear, um, I mean, I'll just go ahead and talk about some of the things that I was looking at when I was looking at issues of teacher, teacher training in in africa because we are looking at what's going on with our teacher training especially now that you're talking about um changes in curriculum and as we wait for simeon to to join us i will share a little bit of some of the some of the news items that i came across so there is um one other news item actually a storm is brewing in kenya on issues related to teacher training in service teacher training because kenya like other countries have recently changed to competency-based curriculum. So this is a new curriculum that supposedly is supposed to strengthen aspects of competency and not just as we seem to say theoretical knowledge. So there's, it's like a fire catching across Africa. So a number of countries have moved or have pivoted to what they're calling competency-based approach. What was, however, very interesting for me was that when I asked for lesson plans across different countries, I wanted to see whether they were very similar now that we are all going, I mean, a number of us are going for this thing we are calling competency-based approach. And there are quite some stark differences, and it would be interesting to dig into that a little bit. I must confess that as a continent, for some time we've been grappling with trying to understand what competency-based curriculum really is. And I believe in one of the shows we'll be having this conversation. But let's go back to Kenya a little bit, because um, one of the teachers was kind enough to share with me a number of... Um, texts and tweets that came in from, um, and, and, and news items that came in from Kenya. I don't know where to start, but as I said, there's a storm brewing about teacher training, especially in service teacher training, a storm brewing in Kenya. I think, um, sorry, uh, if you try calling in again, Simeon, I've seen you try, try calling in again, and I will admit you so that um, we'll see if you can be able to hear, or if you're, you're still connected, I can see you're still connected. If you can just say hello so we confirm whether you're back on air, um, let me know as soon as you're ready. Try calling in again as you've tried. Um, yeah, so I was saying a storm is brewing on in Kenya. What's going on? So Kenya is making a move. It's like the third African country or the fourth African country to embrace competency-based curriculum. The first country was Tanzania. And we want to hear from Tanzania because they went ahead of the game for all of us in East Africa. And then I think uh, Rwanda and Ethiopia have been at it for some time. And now Kenya 
uh, embrace competency-based curriculum. It's been uh, an interesting conversation. We have a court case in Kenya challenging that move. But anyway, there is uh, it's, the implementation is going on at the lower level. So to prepare teachers for competency-based curriculum, the Teacher Service Commission of Kenya has recently given an order that all teachers have to be retrained so that they can be better equipped and prepared to deliver competency-based curriculum. And these are secondary school teachers. So what the Teacher Training Service Commission has done, they have, come, uh, they have gotten into some collaboration with a number of teacher training colleges and universities, and they have asked all teachers every year to spend some 40 hours during the school holiday to be able to train um, on some modules that are supposed to prepare them uh, on issues related to competency-based curriculum. Now, there, there's been a little bit of a ruckus around this because not only are they asking teachers to use all their holidays, I mean, like holiday time for teacher training, um, the teachers have been told that they are going to do a set of training for five years. And when you finish their set of training for five years, then you get a certificate for level one. But for you to complete the full training, you need to do five rounds of training. So it, five or six rounds of training. So it's almost like they have to undergo training for over 30 years before they fully qualify. So teachers are saying, wait a minute, what is this? Some of us are going to retire without ever being deemed qualified. And TSC, the Teacher Service Commission in Kenya is saying, you got to do it. And guess what? You have to pay for it yourself. The teachers have to get into their pockets every holiday and pay around 6000 Well, sounds like not much, so that's around $60. But when you think about um, the teacher salaries, when you think about what else comes with it in terms of traveling to college and other expenses, the teachers are fighting back in Kenya. They're saying, well, if you have to train us or retrain us, then you got to pay for it. If you, you have to train us, then you have to pay for it. So, um, Simeonio, you say you're back. So, uh, please, uh, hello, Simeon. Hello? hello? Yes, hello. I can Simeon, hear you. Simeon? I can hear you, please. Perfect, perfect. So, so anyway, you just had me talking about what's going on in Kenya. And yes, I want to yes. come back to you. Uh, moving away from that first conversation about the situation with teachers in Tanzania. Let's yeah. zero in on issues and matters teacher training. You have been training for some time. Yes, Tell us yes. what's going on. Um, looking back the last 12 years, what has changed in terms of teacher training and what has remained the same in Tanzania? Well, thank you very much uh, for this question, actually. Um, <laughs> what I can say uh, about uh, on the changes of the teacher training we know formally we have a knowledge-based uh, uh, training, knowledge-based, we call can we can say knowledge-based curriculum. Mm -hmm. But uh, from uh, from almost um, um, 2013, uh, coming mm -hmm. to this time, uh, mm -hmm. actually in Tanzania we had some changes when we the government, uh, what we call curriculum, I mean competence-based curriculum. <laughs> competence based yes competence based curriculum is uh, the one that has been uh, so much pronounced right here in Tanzania and um, it actually 
began to be officially implemented uh, in that year between 2016 up to 2017 actually that is when properly it began to be implemented so you can see there were changes yes. in a number of uh, in a number mm -hmm. of issues like uh, uh, the textbooks for to be used in teaching uh, teacher guides mm -hmm. but also even the I mean mm -hmm. the curriculum itself uh, in schools in colleges universities there were changes actually uh, to comp mm -hmm. I mean to, to, to I mean to I mean to 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 try to integrate the competence which will mean that uh, teachers should uh, be teaching when they are competent, I mean, they are competent enough uh, to impart the skills, knowledge, uh, and so on to the students. Yeah, so, and wow. basically, yeah, yeah. Hey, Sibion, you are just getting to the juicy part of your explanation. So can you hear me again? Can you hear us? Because we've lost you for a few seconds there. Hello? Hello? Okay, we hope um, Simeon will join back. But Simeon is talking about competency, moving from knowledge-based knowledge -based to competency-based. And I know some of us, Simeon, are you back? When you're back, just let me know. Some of us here from other countries have also experienced that, moving from knowledge-based to competency-based. And he says, as a result, there were some changes in the textbooks, in the teacher guides, um, and some of the other resources that teachers used. And he's, he was just ending there with saying that, you know, teachers are expected to be competent about um, what they're teaching. I, I was going to ask him to try and explain that. Does it mean during the knowledge-based curriculum, our teachers were not competent in teaching what they were teaching. But if you're from here, those of us from Rwanda, those of us from other countries, have you had a situation? I know Rwanda, for example, you've had a situation of change of curriculum from knowledge-based to competency-based. What are some of the most significant changes that have had to occur in your classrooms as a result of that? The fact that the curriculum moved from competent, I mean, from knowledge-based to competency-based. What then has changed in what you are required to do. Take an example of your lesson plan. What is it that you're now expected to include in your lesson plan as a guide to your teaching that you were not including before when you were doing knowledge-based curriculum? So if you're here and you are from a country that has shifted curriculums like um, Tanzania, please let me know if you're from Kenya, for example, what are you hearing from the teachers, from the students, if you have a child who is in primary one to primary four, what has changed? What do you think has changed? As we wait for um, Simeon to continue the conversation. Simeon, can you hear me? So Simeon must be working hard on his uh, connection and that's fine. We are here to continue talking to each other. So who wants to jump into this conversation? What has changed with our teaching since we move from knowledge-based curriculum to what is called competency-based curriculum. You can hear that this conversation started as early as 2013 in Tanzania. What's going on in Rwanda, for example, with competency-based curriculum? If you have a headphone, please call in and let me know. If you do not have a headphone, um, maybe you can send in a text. Um, we have Simeon back. Simeon, are you back? Simeon, back. Simeon, are you back? Yes, yes, yes. I'm back. Sorry about that. So I just want to quickly uh, ask a question about what you're saying. You've just told us that, you know, some of your training has had to change to try and help better prepare teachers for the competency-based curriculum 
um, yeah. which was a new curriculum that you started looking at as early as 2013. So give me an example. Let's take a lesson guide. Let's take a lesson plan. What yeah. do you what now do you expect now your expect teachers to include in their lesson plan? Yes, actually, that uh, we... Yeah, the lesson plan. First of all, we uh, we are trying to. We have changed it on. Uh, first of all, uh, mm-hmm. looking at uh, how we are going to write uh, the topics, the subtopics, and the activities to be performed by the students in a class. Mm-hmm. So you see, formally on the knowledge based, we just used it to write uh, that. I mean, uh, we start with the topic that we are going to mm-hmm. main topic, subtopic. And as any objectives. So, for instance, mm-hmm. you are teaching, maybe say you are teaching a, a geography, maybe on climatology. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe now you are, you, are, you are saying that is the main topic was climatology. Uh, yes. Subtopic uh, is maybe elements of weather. Mm-hmm. You see? So, mm-hmm. this has changed now. Mm-hmm. We are not, uh, we are no more using uh, writing main topic, subtopic, but we mm-hmm. use, uh, we, we, can, we can say main, uh, co- I mean, competence. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we, mm-hmm. we actually, we, are, we have integrated this uh, competence. So does it uh, mean you no longer write the topic on your lesson plan? Yeah, actually it, it stands for it, but now how you are writing it, it mm-hmm. should reflect what competence should the students acquire. Uh-huh. So give give me an example. Okay. Climatology. I'm trying to teach that. So what am I going to write? Hello. Okay. So actually, um, earlier on, um, Simeon had sent me a sample of their lesson plan. So I'm actually going to just look at it again and try to bring out what he's talking about. Um, I think some of the key the key areas here is introduction, new knowledge, reinforcement, reflection, and consolidation. So um, I'll be waiting for him to tell me a little bit where the issues related to competency comes in. But from what I see here, this introduction, what's the new knowledge um, the student is going to get, reinforcement, perhaps, um, how do they reinforce the uh, mean the learning? So I'm seeing here this teacher had said during reinforcement, they're supposed to lead students in groups to explain one to another um, on on that. And then um, there's an issue. Welcome back. There's an issue of reflection. Ask students questions about lessons at eight. So um, Simeon. Yes. So I, I was just looking at one of the, the, the lesson plans you sent me, and I was saying, from what I see, you have stages, introduction, new knowledge, reinforcement, reflection, and consolidation. So just speaking on that, try and help me understand these new changes that you have done and how this reflects on this new curriculum called competency-based curriculum. Well, you can see that as action verbs that we use, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in stating the lesson development, I mean, teaching stages, the stages of teaching, those you are mentioning, as a, uh, I mean, the stages of teaching now in your class. So mm-hmm. the action verbs have, have changed purposely to guide the teacher on how he or she can measure 
uh, the skills, the competencies acquired by the students. That's why I said I said before we are starting on on the main competence, looking on the main competence. We call it Kiswahili umahiri mku. You see. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What we we are trying to see is that uh, we wish students after the lesson to demonstrate mm-hmm. that they can do something. This one, this one, this one, this one. That demonstration of the ability, I mean, demonstration mm-hmm. of the skills. That is what we are actually focusing. So whatever the case, we are trying to say in the introductory mm-hmm. part, for instance, in the development plan, you, you just mm-hmm. to see how, what I mean. How can students demonstrate? that they understood the previous lesson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how can they demonstrate that they know something about this current lesson that I'm going to teach today? Mm-hmm. Because we, we all know that anybody has got some pre-knowledge, whatever yes, the case, there is some pre-knowledge on it. So yes. how are they going to demonstrate? So that is the focus. So when you are writing, when you are preparing your lesson plan, you have to check it. How can they demonstrate that they have such kind of, uh, they know, that kind or they can they have that such oh, skills mm-hmm. yeah so that is the focus on all the i mean teaching stages of uh, the lesson mm-hmm. so you want students to demonstrate the skillfulness of uh, what they know have you have you as a teacher trainer faced any challenge in trying to transition teachers uh, from the supposed knowledge based to competency based and in all this competency so I'm asking two questions. Have you faced any challenges in teacher training in that transition? Are the teachers excited? Were they excited about this and say, wow, this is the main thing? And there has been a big question about Umahiri Mku. Did, did, you, did you say that's the, the, the name for competency? I have to learn my Kiswahili well. But there's been a big question about what, what do we do with knowledge currently? Is it still relevant or should we just be looking at skills? And is it possible to be skillful before you understand? So I think I'm asking too many questions. Number one, how easy or what has been your experience of transitioning teachers from the other one to the new one, especially during teacher training? Simeon. Um, so again, we have lost Simeon. And as we wait for Simeon to come back, um, I'm just going to, um, we're we are just going to take, um, Welcome on board, Simeon. I think your your um yeah, your, your, I am your back. very is, sorry for is, don't worry. It's the internet yeah. playing pata potea, but just before you get into your comment, let's have some advertisement break, please. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, Visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Okay, Simeon, if, you are, if your internet is uh, being kind to us, it looks like it's playing patter potter, but don't worry, yeah. we keep pattering. <laughs> so, For sure. Here we are. Here we are. 
how easy has it been to transition teachers to competency-based um, approach? Or what has been your experience in doing that? Yes, well, well. Now we have to be, to be very clear about it. Well, mm-hmm. when, we have, when you, uh, you want to change something, there are a lot of implications in between. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of issues need to be taken aboard. You mm-hmm. are speaking of the resources. Mm-hmm. You are speaking of the teachers who are familiar with the old school. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you can understand it. Yeah. Yes, uh, we are speaking you are, of the infrastructures. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are also speaking of the mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very important. Yes, and you are also speaking of the community at large. So you see this mm-hmm. have a lot of implications when you want to change from this one mm-hmm. to the other one. Mm-hmm. So, and now when we come to the, first of all, uh, uh, the document itself, changes in the document itself, which means mm-hmm. now this was uh, part of the government. So it mm-hmm. was funded by the government, um, and, uh, mm-hmm. learning from different countries, and it was adopted, later to mm-hmm. be used. So, so it was adopted case, by the government, not the teachers. <laughs> actually, in terms yeah, of where it was coming from. Yeah, yeah, actually by the government, not teachers <laughs> per se. Okay. So t- teachers were to be taught now mm-hmm. how they can uh, begin applying a competency-based approach in teaching mm-hmm. and uh, whatever the case actually. So mm-hmm. now we are looking on uh, the resources, where the resources mm-hmm. actually adequate to equip all the teachers to be able uh, to, to teach or be able to acquire the skills for the competence-based curriculum. That mm-hmm. is where the many problem, uh, could, I mean, I can say, uh, is reflected, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because uh, uh, you know our countries, uh, given mm-hmm. the economic situation, uh, we yes. are poor countries, we can say so, uh, we cannot, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So resources... To me, myself, as I can see uh, where I, I, I go, I go to inspect some teachers, of course, yeah, uh, field, field practice. I see what is happening sometimes. I can say, well, the resources, if they are there, but are not adequate. Wow. So they were mm-hmm. not provided uh, yeah, adequately to ensure mm-hmm. that at least teachers, a majority of the teachers uh, are able uh, to get used to competence-based curricula. That is uh, the main problem that I can see. The books, oh. but first, mm-hmm. of, I mean, the resources, first of all, to train the teachers themselves, because that is mm-hmm. a very, very large uh, component. You have a, a very good number of teachers who are not used to this kind of curriculum. You have to train them. Now you can okay. ask, how many have been allowed to go for the training? If mm-hmm. there are short courses, how many have gone? That is a mm-hmm. serious question also to ask. Because I can so what percentage this. has gone so far? Because you've been at it for some time now. In your in your educated guess, what percentage of your teachers have? Can you say you have adequately trained so far to be able to implement competency based curriculum? Well, I can I cannot give the actual percent, but I can yes. say we have yeah. not adequately trained the teachers uh, to be able to uh, use competency based. Why? Because mm-hmm. we are seeing every year. Uh, new teachers from the schools coming uh, to upgrade. Okay. Uh, so that is the case. I can say so. We have since that one, that time we have mm-hmm. each year we have got some new teachers coming from the schools to be uh, to upgrade, to upgrade, to upgrade. But uh, apart from that, we have some other teachers actually. Can you hear me? Yes, yes I can. Yes. can. Go ahead. 
yeah we have the teacher other teachers who are unable to come to learn because they don't have money uh, we can oh. say that the government is not providing adequate funds for everyone to come for the training but others have some family problems some mm. others have just personal personal ambitions i don't like to go to school again so mm. <laughs> that kind of uh, life in teaching can happen so what i'm trying to say is that uh, i believe mm-hmm. not all the teachers have been able i mean well i mean to be equipped with the competence based curriculum Wow, very interesting. You know, as I was listening listening to you, I was just remembering some research that um, um, I did about uh, what impacts on teachers' uh, instructional practices, even after attending professional development program. And I was looking at a theoretical framework that actually outlined four main factors, uh, values, attitude, and the knowledge of the teachers, um, mm. the school yeah. environment, the resources, the policies, and of course, the macro, as you said, the community. So you've actually articulated some of that. I remember I presented this paper at, 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 a, at a conference that was actually hosted in Tanzania. But this brings us to a question that was asked earlier before um, you came in by a teacher from Rwanda. He said he wanted to know, and I know you have alluded to the answer, but he wanted to know the professional development of teachers in Tanzania. Um, who who is taking care of it? Is it take, being taken care of by the government? In other words, the government is sponsoring stu- teachers to go through continuous professional development. In this case, to be able to teach the new curriculum, or is it non-governmental organizations, or is it teachers have to deep into their pocket from that salary that you say is not enough to support themselves to actually be um, trained or to participate in professional development programs. So who is actually sponsoring our teachers for this? Um, so are you back? I know you tried calling in. So that's, that's um, try calling back in again. Uh, in Kiswahili, we have something called pata potea, find and lose, find and lose. And that's the kind of game the internet seems to be playing with um, Simeon. But as you listen to Simeon, and this is perhaps a common challenge in amongst many countries. Remember, I was talking about the situation in Kenya, where you're saying they are also moving to competency-based curriculum. And it seems like we never learned from our neighbors because here we are caught in the same caught I mean, we are facing the same challenge. Teachers, the government, again, the government. So we have a situation where curriculums are changed. And as Simeon says, it is a change in curriculum that is top down. And so the sense of ownership becomes a challenge. And in this case, uh, as, as Simeon was saying, one of the big challenges is what is where is the resource? Simeon, are you back? I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about Kenya, where we are saying that the teachers have been asked to dig into their pocket and to go for teaching professional development programs once, I mean, for five years to get the first certificate. So Simeon, yeah. you're explaining who is sponsoring the teachers. Yes, yes, actually. Yeah, uh, what I'm trying to say here, we have a very exception that uh, the government of Tanzania is actually sponsoring some, some very mm-hmm. few teachers uh, based on the calendar they have. But mm-hmm. the majority of these teachers are actually required to go for the training by their own expenses. So that mm-hmm. is the case. So you, you, can, you can just imagine now the decision to go for the training. You have a family, you have some other issues to do. That mm-hmm. is where now the budget, <laughs> the calculation of the budget, now, yeah, comes in. No, 
Yes, yes. And is there is there any form of, is it a carrot and stick situation? Is the government saying if you go for training, this is a benefit you'll get from us, maybe a promotion or something, or you'll have your teacher certif um, license renewed, that's what Kenya is saying, and if you don't go, you might actually lose uh, your license or opportunity to teach. Is there a, a benefit or a consequence that, um, that, the, the, that the government is dangling before the teachers? in this whole process of training yes yeah we all know that uh, when you are going for a further training for further education mm -hmm. uh, the repercussion for a worker is uh, yeah to be promoted actually that is first and foremost mm -hmm. you can be promoted in terms of salaries you can also be promoted in terms of uh, maybe uh, positions leadership mm -hmm. positions or management wise or whatever mm -hmm. however now we can just try to see the promotion mm -hmm. The promotion itself has uh, sometimes been so much affected by uh, the politics. You see now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, as I said, you see, we had uh, f almost five years when we had no promotion at all. Mm -hmm. Five years. So you can see it. So you go to learn, you come back, no promotion for almost four or five years. Now mm -hmm. you can see what the effect is. So it came to, to a point that some people said, ah, no, there is no need to go for further training if that is the case. No salary Ooh. increment, no promotion. So why should I go? So okay, besides, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to read a statement just to perhaps think about what are you really training your teachers on? Because from what I've heard, or what are we training our teachers on as a continent? From what I've heard right now, we seem to be caught up on this issue of skills or competencies uh, versus knowledge. And it sounds like we have created a sense of separation uh, of this is knowledge and competency. And there are people who have argued that that is a wrong, the wrong direction to take. There are people who have argued and said, you know what, you cannot be competent over anything before you have a knowledge base, a requisite, a requisite knowledge base. There are people who have argued that competency is gained in a continuum. And first of all, you need to have some foundational knowledge before yeah. and as you have that foundational knowledge and you you know be, get to a hang of it and you know um you you have the confidence to play around with it and use it then over time you build uh competency so the, the question some people ask and sometimes i found myself asking yes we say we want to build a knowledge-based economy most of us say that we want to build a knowledge-based economy if we look at our uh um frameworks of development yes but then in education we are saying we are moving away from knowledge to competence is there something yeah. that is not connecting there for you as a trainer well yeah first of all i concur with those who are trying to uh, put this uh, very clear that uh, you can't just say uh, i have skills without knowledge mm -hmm. uh, yeah in my own personal understanding is that uh, Knowledge comes first. You have to know something, mm -hmm. then you can become competent. I mean, competent about it. Mm -hmm. So, probably uh, emphasizing on uh, on competence alone mm -hmm. that can lead us to a wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So we have to check now if we have to to to, to reframe the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to to include all these two mm -hmm. because yeah, yeah, knowledgeable people are actually capable of becoming. Uh, competent. Competent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But if we just insist on the competence, well, then competence of what? Of the knowledge you have, actually. That I could say so. 
You have mm-hmm. to be competent of the knowledge you have, so you so that you can apply it in life or mm-hmm. in the profession you have. Mm-hmm. So to me, yes, I, I concur with uh, this kind of argument that uh, we have to rethink of it. How are we going to just emphasize uh, skills? I mean, competencies. Uh, I mean, leaving the knowledge aside, that can probably lead us to a wrong direction. You know, it's very interesting when I visited Tanzania. The last time I visited Tanzania was in 2018, and it was a continental conference bringing mathematics educators from across Africa. And um, a day before um, the conference, I think I visited University of Dar es Salaam, if I'm not wrong. And I was very excited to come to Tanzania because um, I knew that as a country, my former country, Kenya, we were beginning to really look seriously at issues related to competency-based curricula. But there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of uh, pushback. But then I said, well, you know, sometimes as Africa, when we write uh, some of this uh, curricula, we tend to quote the countries way far from us, Germany of the day or UK of the day or, you know, whatever of Mm. the day. But we, we tend not to really look at close home, what's going on. So I was very excited to come to yeah. Tanzania because I was saying, you know, Tanzania has been implementing competency-based curriculum. And so if yeah. I want to understand it from an African perspective and experience, because the, 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 the context is the same, the number of students in their classrooms might be the same as Kenya, you know, the, the, the challenges that our students face may be similar. So if I'm to understand what competency-based curriculum is and how we can best implement it, then now I am right at the right place. So I actually ensured that um, I organized to be in um, a seminar in Dar es Salaam. I wanted to hear from from the lecturers. lecturers. But I was, I I did come back with, I mean, I came back with less excitement because it Mm -hmm. turned out after a day's conversation into the following day in in the con- into, into the conference, conference with other countries who are also implementing competency-based curriculum, the one mm-hmm. question that many of us could still not articulate, including yeah. Tanzania, was, yeah. what is this competency-based curriculum? And are we really sure we understand yeah. it and, 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 and we have a hold of it? So <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of conversations are going on and what room there is to redirect the conversation. Like you're saying, you know, we must make sure we have a balance uh, in terms of knowledge and competency. Is there room for you as a teacher trainer or as teacher training institutions to help our teachers um, really, you know, it came from the government, yes, but let's make it our own. Let's correct and tweak some things. Is that going on or teachers are just feeling resigned? We have been told to do this and therefore we're just going to do it. Well, that is the point to underline, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that you are, you, are, you are right to say that we teachers should take it as ours and try mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to implement it as our profession to help mm-hmm. the society, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I said before, you, you have said that you just wondered in your own seminar in Dar es Salaam that uh, you could come out of that seminar without knowing what real it is when mm-hmm. it comes to competency-based curricula. And mm-hmm. that is clear. Well, when you want somebody to be competent, you know what it takes. Mm-hmm. Can you say that a class of 100 students 
then uh, every one of them can be competent enough while you don't have enough books maybe they share mm-hmm. two or five books in a class then you say these people will be competent is it possible mm-hmm. can you have that competence uh, when you have a school maybe a primary school with more than 1000 maybe students but only having 10 or 20 teachers is it possible so you you have, these are some questions to reflect upon according mm-hmm. to my understanding yes as that is why i'm saying uh, teachers actually do not have problems mm-hmm. teachers if they are well equipped with mm-hmm. the resources with the salary mm-hmm. i mean the motivation in general motivational package mm-hmm. but also with the training Mm-hmm. you can have the results you want for the society mm-hmm. at this one has been the very serious problem among not just in Tanzania I guess so because I'm also doing some researches I can see this is a very big challenge to most of third world countries mm-hmm. the resources are not there so the politicians actually would say okay we want this time to to implement this type of curriculum so all schools whatever should follow this one but look at do they follow on the availability and the inadequacy of the resources mm-hmm. the training the problems how do mm-hmm. they tackle on the problems on uh, implementing such kind of uh, a curriculum that is very serious questions well, i mean it comes in yeah. oh so we are saying that one of our challenges we have is that the politi- politicians are we are under siege we are captives of the politicians thinking and mindsets and as teachers um there's a sense that things that are being demanded of us are not practically possible under the situation and the circumstances that we are teaching and that's a headache that we must yeah. continue thinking through as a continent and ask ourselves how we can untangle ourselves uh from that very interesting observation i mean you've asked some very pertinent questions two books of five mm-hmm. books having to be shared amongst maybe a hundred uh, students in a classroom or having yeah. a, a school population of a thousand with less yeah. than 50 teachers quite something yeah. to think about as a continent now as we draw towards a close i just want to take you back into your classroom i'm going to i'm going to um read something and this is going to be from a country far away from us but i think it's worth reflecting on last time when yeah. we had our show with our teacher from um from um from from Ghana and we were asking ourselves yeah. what's going on in our classrooms how many yeah. lessons do we have to teach in a day are we over teaching uh, are our students really learning and yeah. well our comrade from Ghana said well um it was an interesting answer but let me just read something that i read i took out from an article from finland finland has sometimes been touted as one of the countries with the best education system you know highly paid teachers mm-hmm. uh, teacher teacher salaries is yeah. as competitive as medicine and law and they tend to be looked up unto and so this is a statement that a teacher say i mean one of the teachers said we prepare children to learn how to learn not how yes. to take a test we are not much interested in pisa it's not what we are about in other words it was just trying to highlight how much the the issues of testing is not the biggest issue that they focus on in fact from what i read the the article suggests that sometimes a te- a students do only one exam main exam their their exams one can do but 
It is optional. Uh -huh. So this person yeah. was saying, in Finland, we prepare children to learn how to learn, not how to take a test. So I wanted to reflect on you as Simeon, who is preparing our teachers to teach our children. What are you yeah. teaching our, what are you training Tanzanian teachers to do? Are you training them to ensure our children are learning? Or are you training them for something else, maybe a test or finishing the syllabus? What's going on in our college? What's your focus if you are, if you are to evaluate yourself? Yeah, in evaluation, I could say that uh, I could uh, speak of both of these uh, two ideas, actually, by, by percentages, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, actually, teaching uh, the teachers uh, for the sake of being able to help our children in schools, I mean, to, I mean, to help them acquire knowledge and skills, Probably uh, based on the system we have, I can say mm -hmm. that would uh, take almost 35 to 40 percent. Mm -hmm. But teaching the teachers to pass for examination, that is taking the, the remaining percent. Mm -hmm. Why? I have the reasons because this is the, the kind of the system we have adopted for a long time. Mm -hmm. Changing it also requires a lot of mobilization. Uh, yeah, mobilization and awareness, but also mm -hmm. uh, a very, very, very firm action uh, mm -hmm. to, 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 to change it. So that's why we see even uh, the primary, the secondary to university levels, our mm -hmm. students are, first of all, learning for examination, mm -hmm. you see? And second, they learn for the job. So mm -hmm. if that is the case, how can we teach us actually? Uh, exempt ourselves from that kind of uh, a system if we have also been uh, educated within that system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there is a need for, yeah, actually, there is a need for very deliberate efforts to change mm -hmm. this situation. And uh, mm -hmm. actually, when we are talking on the competence-based curriculum, actually, that is also plays a part in it. We have been mm -hmm. so much educated within that system where mm -hmm. we normally take care of the examination. Mm -hmm. Then the skills and the others just follow. So that if that is the case, I can say, well, we first of all emphasize that uh, our teachers should pass. We, you know why? I should say one thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you are your students do better in examination, you see what uh, the politicians, the parents, whatever are, are saying. Do you, do you know mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. They would say, oh, wow, that is perfect, perfect. <laughs> they don't consider. Uh, actually, they have mastered the skills well. Can they apply them? That is mm -hmm. just another part. That, so mm -hmm. you can see this custom, actually, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, traditions and custom like these ones. Maybe should be uh, we should do something to remove this mm. kind of uh, yeah. Belief. But yes. but 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 Sibiod, um, I wonder where that change is going to come from because you know when we we're talking to Mark and uh, he said part of the problem is that the supervisors that come into our Africa's classroom to supervise our teachers, one <laughs> yeah. of them being you, because you've just said that sometimes you go to supervise teachers. Um, yeah. They say part of the problem is that when the supervisors come into class, like yourself, a yeah. lot of what they focus on is where are you in the syllabus? How sure. much of the syllabus have you covered? Cover, so sure. Mark... Mark from Ghana, a fellow teacher, was saying, well, in that case, as a teacher, part of what we have to do, you know, teaching 10 lessons in a day, your main focus is 
how many of the objectives have I been able to cover? Because you're saying, you know, they have a number of objectives that they're supposed to cover in a week or something. So yeah. where do you think this change is going to come from? How, in fact, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, though, I know we've lost time, is who trains school inspectors? Is there a course specifically for school inspectors? Because from what we are hearing, they are one of the greatest problems in the education system. <laughs> for sure. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Heron, I, I should say so. The school inspectors, of course, nowadays are also called uh, quality assurance officers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, when, well, personally, mm -hmm. I don't know where these are trained. But mm -hmm. I know these are the teachers we have trained. They have mm -hmm. been employed to be teachers. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Later on, they are upgraded or promoted to become uh, uh, to become quality assurance officers. Mm -hmm. So, they are, I believe, I believe there are some mm -hmm. trainings which are specific trainings which mm -hmm. normally are short courses for them to become mm -hmm. effective in their job. It is mm -hmm. given, but I don't think if we have specific colleges uh, for these people to be trained very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. So does somebody give them um, like a tick-off box like this when you go to school, this is what you're looking for? Um, is that just put down, I mean, shoved into their hands and then they walk with it into the classroom? And even though we, we seem to have wanted to change the philosophy from inspectorate to quality assurance, listening to what the teachers are saying, they seem still to be walking into classrooms like some policemen or police women with 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 a pen in their hands to tick off what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, sometimes you can see these people are working like policemen or women. Uh, well, where who teaches them actually? I believe in Tanzania there is uh, this practice actually. We have some uh, 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 experienced uh, education edu educationists, educational mm -hmm. professionals who are actually, uh, uh, I mean, uh, given this task by the government to train uh, the quality mm -hmm. assurance officers uh, in mm -hmm. short courses, in seminars or workshops. They mm -hmm. are trained that mm -hmm. you have to see when you are going to inspect the school, mm -hmm. to inspect the colleges, try to observe one, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. That is what they are, they are given. But uh, we can just the question to ponder is, are the trainings mm -hmm. adequate? Now, who are follows the if they are... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who follows if they are doing a very good job in it? So, doing a policeman or woman, is that kind of the activity we want? So, it mm -hmm. has to... Actually, a lot of issues also need to be focused on it. And I should say one thing. Mm -hmm. I believe the best, the best and the best option is... Mm -hmm to respect the teaching profession mm -hmm. by letting the teachers and the professions in this sector to discuss and run the education system. Mm -hmm. yeah, Very yeah. Especially teaching itself. Mm -hmm. Respect them and give them a chance. Mm -hmm. If you want to change, you want some mm -hmm. changes, give them a chance to participate fully, mm -hmm. give them the resources and whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Respect the profession so that mm -hmm. this will help them, I mean, the teachers to work independently, but mm -hmm. also very professionally. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very interesting. So listening to you, you're saying, well, uh, there's a wave that has caught us in the continent called competency-based approach. It seemed to have started in Tanzania and because Tanzania embraced it, you know, you didn't, you didn't 
talk too loudly for us to hear, oh, yes, this has come to our country and uh, we, it seems not to be working too well. You just kept quiet. You just kept quiet. And as you're keeping quiet, more countries were adopting the same thing and perhaps finding themselves falling in the same holes. How do we ensure that does not happen, that we actually learn from one another? Because, you know, Tanzania started talking about this in 2013. Kenya started talking about this in 20, I mean, started implementing it way after you guys. But we don't seem to have learned anything from Tanzania. How do we stop that so that we don't find ourselves falling in the same holes? Well, that is the point now for research, actually. Uh, we, we, the, yeah, I believe now it's time to do some research to see um, how, are we going, uh, um, how are we implementing it. We have to conduct some research <laughs> to see how are we conducting. What are the results? Are we going in the right direction or wrong direction? What when will the politician is, read the research? Because you seem to say these decisions <laughs> come from the politicians. So what are so you suggesting? Is, we should have some politician research session? I mean, it's possible, really. Maybe that's what we should be talking about. I mean, because you're saying most of these decisions are coming from the politician. The yeah, know, for sure. Just wake up to a new declaration. Yeah, yeah, that has been the tendency in most of African countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, what I'm trying to say, well, be it a political research, but mm -hmm. as I said before, if politicians would say, let's also respect teaching teachers. profession. Yes. Yeah, yes. give the teachers, yes. give those who are in the, in the sector more power. Mm -hmm. We can really more get space, good results yeah. for it. Yeah. Wow. So one of our yeah. greatest headache that is actually affecting what's going on in our teacher training and then sending negative ripple effect in our Africa's classroom is who is driving the process. Teachers um, are still not adequately being given an opportunity to participate in some of these conversations, especially at the formative stages. Teachers are under siege, under siege by the politicians, under siege by new curriculums and syllabuses, and of course, close home under siege by the policemen and women who walk into their classrooms in the name of quality assurance officers or mm. inspectors, as we still call them in other, yeah. other parts of our continent. Something to chew on. And I know these are not just problems that are unique to Africa. We see quite a bit of conversations, especially on issues of school inspection coming up. And I think there is a need to really re-engineer so that it yeah. fits also in our context and cultural uh, cultural and contextual reality. So it's been great having you, Simeon. And I yeah, think yeah, finally yeah. we, you know, the internet tried to play pata potea, but we finally patted <laughs> the <Yeah>. internet <laughs> and we've had some good conversations. So as sure, we close, sure. I'm going to ask you to give us um, a closing um, thought based on the discussions we've had today on teacher training or what's going on in teacher training colleges. So some parting shots to the fellow teachers or policymakers who might finally listen to this show, um, listen back to the recording of this show. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Henry. Actually, I've enjoyed this, every part of this uh, lesson, uh, despite of the patapotea, but uh, yeah, you see, <laughs> it's, not, it's out of my control. But uh, what I would try to say, yeah, 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 yeah. As a um, teacher, I can say so. Mm -hmm. We are to be serious with our education. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I'm talking it in the development uh, uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. We, If we try to see 
how other countries have developed what we call the giants of the world whatever the case mm-hmm. real they are taking very serious about education mm-hmm. and the competence based curriculum actually is yeah it's a, a very good approach to creating uh, i mean educa- i mean educated people who can do something mm-hmm. but we have to think on how we can integrate the knowledge and the competence based together because uh, they really work and uh, go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the sake of knowledge, you start with mm-hmm. knowing something, then you go mm-hmm. to apply it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is what I'm trying to say. So governments should think of it, try to see, uh, mm-hmm. actually making some researches to see how the competence base is impacting development of our countries nowadays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, if we want development, really, we need to be very serious on equipping our schools, equipping mm-hmm. our colleges, equipping mm-hmm. the teachers and all edu- educational practitioners mm-hmm. with the power, the resources, mm-hmm. but also the, the, the other kinds of support, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. will be very fundamental in ensuring that each one in mm-hmm. that sector is mm-hmm. able to do what is expected based on the competence-based curriculum. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what I should say and advise uh, to the government. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Thank you, Simeon. Very, very, very pertinent uh, advisory statements there. Empower the yeah. teachers. Make sure we have the resources. Let's rethink the philosophy on competencies and uh, and 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 the, the the seeming suggestion that we should depart from knowledge, but instead let us look at how we balance those two. Because again, as you say, we don't just want somebody has said that if we continue in this direction and really do not emphasize knowledge, and I must say that different countries are implementing CBC in a different way. Each country has their own um, their own emphasis. I think I would say Rwanda has perhaps potentially got it right because the competencies they tend to talk about are supposed to be integrated based on the knowledge base. So there's still, I mean, there's still a lot of conversation about the knowledge. And then we say in the midst of that, can you integrate, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, it's not skills, but it's what they're calling 21st century uh, competencies. Mm. So anyway, there's a lot that we can learn from one another. And I think that's one other message that we are passing out that we don't have to fall in the same hole. Because yeah. we are not looking close home. We are trying to look far away. You know, we're saying yeah. Germany is doing this, but Germany is a totally different ball game. And sometimes yeah. because we are far, even our interpretation sometimes is erroneous. Yeah. So anyway, great having a conversation with you. And thank you for tuning in from Tanzania and opening the door into Tanzania. Please, every Sunday afternoon, the place to be from 6 p.m. East African time, 5 p.m. Um, Central Africa time or South Africa time and 2 p.m. GMT. The place to be on Sunday afternoon is the Sunday afternoon show on Teacher Stock Radio. And of course, there are other brilliant shows going on on Teacher Stock Radio at different times of the day. So let's keep talking to one another. This way, we begin pulling down the walls that have been erected between our countries as educationists. It was really insightful having a conversation with you, listening to you, and I believe our members are taking home, our listeners are taking home something that they can ponder on and think about. If not, the very least, 
how do we do we how do I ensure as a teacher that I'm not just promoting thinking around skills, but I'm actually also ensuring my students yeah. have the foundational knowledge to back up the competency. So this has been Dr. Otiedo Menya, Africa's own education doctor and education evangelist, talking to our very own Simeon, our first guest from Tanzania. Thank you very much yeah. for those of us who've been part of this show. Let's, I look forward for more conversations on this online and look forward to a continued reflection on our instructional practices in our classrooms. We'll be coming to dig into issues related to our schemes of work, lesson plans, now that we know what's going on in our teacher training colleges and the challenges yeah. that there, there are there and how these uh, we'll be looking at what this means for us. And of course, we don't just want to talk problem. We want to talk solutions. I always say, whatever the case, there is a solution out of it. And every cloud has a silver lining. That's, those are some yeah. of the things we'll be digging into and learning from yeah. one another from different countries. Thank you, Simeon. Thank you, everybody. This is the yeah. end of our show. We're at nine minutes. We've taken nine minutes more, but it was worth it. Great conversation, Simeon. Let's keep in touch. Of course, we'll be talking more. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, also for listening. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.